Welcome to the Joe Contractor Show, a podcast created by three regular Joes. The Joe Contractor Show is a place where trade professionals, business owners, and homeowners looking for solid advice and amusement can hear stories of great success and great failure in the turbulent and unpredictable world of construction. On the Joe Contractor Show, we dig deep into the realm of remodeling and construction. We chat with construction trade professionals, business owners, and homeowners alike. We support local independent contractors and those who put their trust in the hands of these capable and hardworking business owners and tradespeople. We discuss construction and home maintenance from multiple angles, and we do it with compassion, purpose, and humor. Listen as Lori Merrick and Sam, along with a wide variety of guests, explore topics related to construction, homeownership, small business creation, and more. A quick reminder, don't forget to send your questions to questions at joecontractorshow.com. And after you've done that, please take a moment to hit the like button, subscribe, or talk about us tomorrow morning at the local coffee shop. We appreciate feedback and critique, and it lets us know that you're out there and that you care. All right. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Joe Contractor Show. And this is uh, this is now our fourth episode that we've taped. Um, I think that's correct, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yep. yep. And uh, so, again, Lori Merrick and myself, Sam, we're here uh, in the studio. We have a, uh, a rogue bird that you said has been around for a week or so running into your window. Yeah. Looking for a partner in the mirror of the glass. You think that's what it is, or do you I think, think so. I mean, maybe it's just it's sort of a glutton for self-punishment or something. Yeah, it could be self-harm. <laughs> oh, it's okay. We love you. You'll be all right. You go out and find, find your way in this world, bird. Uh, anyway, so again, there we lost all of our listeners again. Um, let's, <laughs> let's start this off. Uh, Lori, you have brought us a guest today. I have. Um, I have my dear friend and um, contractor, uh, Vivian Guerra, and we've known each other for a little while, but I'd love to learn more about her. And what you don't see out there in the audience is that she's a Native American woman, and she's in the contracting small business world with the rest of us. And she's uh, amazing. There's a lot of references to unicorns these days. Being a Native American in contracting is not a common thing, is it? Uh, I, I don't. Woman? Yeah, I, I don't run across a lot of them, but, <laughs> <laughs> especially uh, here in in Minnesota. You know. No. How many have you ran across? I don't know any very many. Well, you and in construction, Nancy. Uh, not many. I, I can't really count on one hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's very few. Then. <laughs> yeah, in construction, it's totally different. I mean, you have them in. You know, a lot of, um, like, state, you know, social work, things like that uh, mm-hmm. for the Indian community and stuff. So, Well, Merrick and I, I mean, we've been doing contracting work around town. I can't even count on one hand the number of male Native Americans I know in construction as a contractor. They're tradespeople, yes, mm-hmm. but um, kind of running the show as a, as a contractor, I don't, I don't know that I know any, to be honest. Can you think of any Native American? Not contractors, uh, but businesses. skilled people and businesses, but not in the construction contracting. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's a you know lack of access to certain things that causes this. But I just, I just think it's they're very disproportionately underrepresented in our community. I'd say. Yeah, there's a. Uh... Well, there's uh, Bald Eagle Erectors, which is uh, Dave Weiss. He's pretty successful. Um, there, And he's in construction, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the others that I can think of are not actually construction, construction. So, right. <laughs> I mean, it's more like printing or something like that, you know. So. Some aspect of it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be that they're that I'm too small and they're too successful for me to have seen them too. <laughs> There's always, you know what I mean? Right. There's always that possibility. Right. Yeah. True. But, yeah, so what, uh, where have you, 
where have you gone in your in your life with this construction stuff? Like, where did you sort of start out, and how'd you manage to find your way into this? Well, I um, I was newly divorced and had to find a job, and I noticed that in what I was looking for, jobs for women were didn't pay that much. Right. But the construction paid pretty good, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, I decided to uh, learn. Well, first I start out in uh, roofs. <laughs> yeah, which is a place where a lot of people start out. Yeah, and so um, winter came and there's no work. Yeah. So I thought, well, what could, what could I do where it's all year round and, um, you know, I could stay warm? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I uh, was introduced to drywall taping. Yeah. So I became a uh, union uh, drywall taper, and I worked for a few different companies because uh, this old-timer told me that if I wanted to learn this trade, I had to do work for residential, work for commercial, remodels. So I set out to do that, and I learned every aspect of it, the framing, the steel stud, the rocking, the taping, you know. Did you uh, attend a trade school, or were you apprenticed in? I or? was an apprentice, yep. Yeah. And then so, um, but I kept getting laid off because they only wanted to use me for my minorityness, you know. Okay, what, were the, mm. Was there someone in an office checking a box? Yes. Saying, so, <laughs> yeah. So I found myself laid off seven times one year, and I thought, wow. you know, this isn't working. Yeah. So I was collecting unemployment, and um, I was coming up on my last unemployment check, and I thought, boy, I got to do something. So I put flyers around my neighborhood. Taping drywall, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it just it went really well. I started getting a lot of work, and then so when they called me back for for the union, I thought, you know, this is working. I think I'll just stick with this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, that led to um, sixty five employees and the only Native American uh, woman drywall contractor in the state of Minnesota. Um, and that was fun, you know. <laughs> Is that where you're at right now? You have 65 employees still? No, you, no, because I, I, yeah, I couldn't survive the recession in yeah. 2007, so yeah. I ended up closing up, and um, I stumbled into signage, so now I do signage for uh, oh. reservations, casinos all over, so I do exterior, interior signage, oh. and so a lot of it is uh, more custom work, um, and I, I, like I said, I kind of fell into that. A friend of mine kept bugging me to come work for him, you know. And, um, and what I like about the signage is I get to create. So I design, fabricate, install, and uh, especially with casinos because it, it, everything is custom, you know. Of course. And so I ended up um, just taking jobs anywhere. So I go all over the United States, different <laughs> reservations and do these casinos and health clinics and whatever, you know? Yep. <laughs> and so it's a lot of fun. I have one job that I'm really excited about. It's in the, uh, it's on the Supai Reservation. Is that out in Washington? It's in uh, Arizona. Oh, Arizona. And it's in the Grand Canyon. Okay. And they have to take me and my signs in a helicopter because that's the only way you can get <laughs> oh, down there. That's sweet. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, I've been in construction, like I said, uh, over 25, 30 years. I can't even count anymore, you know. But. Your adult life, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I find signing, you know, signage uh, interesting because it's, it runs, there's such a gamut. There's so many things that that could mean, but mm-hmm. you, you design and fabricate, and do you, so do you sub that out? Do you have a shop where you do that? How do you manage I, I, to fabricate these? I have a shop. Yeah, uh, we do ADA braille, uh, vinyls, murals. Um, you know, we got laser cutters, things like that. Anything real big uh, that I can't handle, I have wholesalers that I use. Yep. And um, I like, I like my wholesalers to be close because I got to know what's going on. You know, so um, yeah, so it works out. You know. Yeah. So living the dream, traveling around the, gallivanting around the country. And don't you miss drywall? Uh, <laughs> well, funny thing, I have contractors that still call me for drywall, and I just can't seem to say no. You know. Yeah, she's. You're doing a little of that yet too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So do you? Do you? Have you done a lot of drywall work, Lori? Um, I have. 
and I hate mudding. You hate mudding. I hate it. See, I, I love mudding. Okay, yeah, you either like it or I, hate it. Yeah, how do you feel about it? Right. I, I, I don't know. It's it's weird for me. I remember the, one of the early drywall jobs I did for Sam. He walked in and he's like, "You have an interesting um, process here." I, I, don't I think, think I've you ever, were making. I don't think I've ever quite mess. seen this. Oh yeah, it was just <laughs> just mud everywhere. <laughs> no. See, I'm me. like you. I really enjoy it. Yeah, there's something, I mean, I, I used to, uh, you know, I did a little body work on automobiles when I was younger, too. And just the, like, the feathering out and stuff. And I don't know, when it comes to drywall work, like, the problem is you don't get paid even if you're good. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are. You still have to compete with, with people who are faster and better than you. And so, yeah. you, you know, no one appreciates it. But I love yeah. slinging mud. I really do. I enjoy it a lot. I'll do the drywall, but I won't do the mud. You'll do the hanging? Yeah. I like oh, that. see, I don't yeah, like I won't the hanging. Do the hanging. <laughs> no. I don't see, like the hanging. I'm in the repair area, right? Like, I love going into a, you know, cracked plaster and fixing all the cracks and patching in and, like, furring out my, yeah. you know, patches and floating them out so they disappear. Like, I love that. But going in and, you oh, know, no, I love mudding, corners. Uh, mudding a room, oh. I just... <laughs> Vivian and I are shaking our yeah. head at each other. You're like, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. I don't know why. I just have I always heard enjoyed. you guys think it's like Zen, right? No. Yeah, there's something about like when you when you. I don't know. Do you use? I use a hawk and knife. He's a hawk and knife. You, yeah, a hawk. Uh, it's supposed to be a hawk and trowel, but I know that's what my dad's always like, <laughs> Sam. He loves it too, and he's like, "You got to learn how to use a trowel." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I like the knife." I have a hawk and trowel though. Still, is that what you do? I use it, it for just bead. Okay. I use a pan and knife for my seams and stuff. Yeah, know? yeah. I just use the. I just didn't ever get into the pan. You know, concrete. Uh, concrete people don't like us using a hawk and trowel. No, no. My and my family. <laughs> My entire family growing up, they were all stucco guys, so they used a giant wooden hawk. Yeah. You know, I've got the smaller one, but the big wooden hawk with, you know, 150 pounds of concrete on it. It's tight. It's hard. They were strong. And then a big trowel, and they'd push it on the wall. (laughs) You know, pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. Well, that's a yeah, that's a unique trade for you to get into. And you had 45 employees and a thriving company, and then. You and sixty percent of the other people who did construction had to shut down when the recession happened. That was a yeah, that was a tough tough year. But yeah, it was. It's so, kind of like right now, you know. <laughs> for some of us, yeah. For COVID, yeah. yeah, that's a lot of our contractors didn't make it through that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, were you doing most when you were um, when you had the larger drywall outfit? Were you doing mostly on the reservation or off or a hybrid of the two? It was more like a hybrid, but um, I was doing a lot of work here in in Minneapolis because of the participation that they had going on, you know. Um, and again, you mean by that 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 you're a minority owned yeah. outfit, so WBE MBE yeah. participation, yeah. yeah. So they were implementing that at that time, so um, so that you know smaller. Minority companies could get a fair shake, right? In, right. In At least partially. Bidding. Yeah, <laughs> and it and actually it kept me busy. You know, I I got a lot of work through that. And I would say, wouldn't you, Vivian, that I, I I'm in construction because of affirmative action. Mm-hmm. That and that's how I got in the union, and 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 that was opened my doors. I don't think that you know without some of these, even you know people will bitch about them, but some of these WBE, which is Women Business Enterprise, and MBE, Minority Business Enterprise. Without them, I don't know that there'd be a lot of women and minorities that would the doors would be open to. No, that's that's true. Yeah. You know, and and the thing is, is like uh, there's a lot of organizations out there that are fighting behind the scenes to keep that going, right. um, because it seems like the norm is every five years we have to go back in and say hey what about us we still need this yeah because what happens is like now it's starting to come up again because i'm starting to get a lot of bids for the participation part right um but for oh he's just asking it's for a while there it um 
you know, it slowed down. Mm -hmm. And of course, nobody was getting any work. And then uh, now they're doing it again. And like I said, the norm's been every five years they go back and start hitting it hard again with the participation, you know. And uh, I've I've even had contractors say, like the good old boys, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> say, oh, they're doing that again, so they know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, oh God, it's like anything else political like you can there are people have sort of strong opinions about those types of programs mm -hmm. and I would say my experience has been as a like middle-aged white guy who has every privilege granted mm -hmm. you know you too Eric <laughs> I mean every privilege I I don't know I don't know how women or minorities would find any foothold in the construction world were it not for some of that it, it yeah. It's and because it's not a meritocracy. It's not. It's not just because you're good that you get jobs. That maybe happens later. Yeah. Once you've built up a reputation, but on day one, if you're looking at here's the three people in front of you. You've got the Native American woman. You got the middle-aged white guy that looks like America, myself, and you got someone else. It, I mean, we have the advantage. That's just all there is to it. Whether we're better than the others or not. So I would add add to that is that. Um, uh, as um, we had to just backing it up when we say that the, that they need to hire women or minorities or whatever we still are bidding against the same we're doing the same we just get an opportunity to bid they there's let, a competitive process so it's still a competitive process and I was on a job site we were, I was doing a restaurant we went to visit a uh, solar company and see how they check their panels out so we went up on a roof and my electrician and I and one of the guys said, so what are you, what are you doing up here? <laughs> <laughs> like you're not allowed. And I so. said, I'm checking out your solar panels. And he was, just, he was an employee. He wasn't the owner. And, and, and he goes, looks at the other, he goes, looks at Kevin, my electrician. He goes, so you're the boss? And she, he's like, uh, no, she's my boss. And, mm -hmm. and then he, the guy mm -hmm. looks at me and he goes, oh, so, uh, oh, that's right. You get all those jobs. They just give you got jobs. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> looked at him and I just I, uh, I uh, didn't give him a dignity of a response rolled my eyes and, and we walked down and Kevin my electrician he's a he's a white dude and super cool guy he said wow I just got to witness what you go through he goes yeah. how do you do it and I said I never look back I don't give him any dignity of even a thought after this and then I called his boss and said hey, you know, if you're going to be doing our solar job on this restaurant, I'm going to talk to the owner, and I don't want to see that guy there. <laughs> yeah, fair yeah. enough. That's right. fair enough. So it's not like we're getting jobs because we're women or minorities or whatever. We, we're, we just get an opportunity to bid on them along with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So there's, that was, that's a misconception out there. It is a misconception. And the, and the other thing is important to, to share, too, is that um, a lot of times – with small business, minority, women, whatever it may be, um, you know, we have to be competitive and we have to be able to get the job done. Yeah, you still yeah. have to do a good Just job. Just because yeah. you're a minority and you're, you're a woman, they're not going to give it to you. And that's what they, I've had people say, you're supposed to give me. No, that's not what it is. Right. Like for myself, like I'm in science, but I still do drywall. And the reason I still drywall is because these people that I learned that I, I was working with before like my work. They know I'm dependable. They know I can get it done. So they're still calling me, you know? Right. <laughs> and, so, that's... And, and everything that I've done, these GCs, I could change to probably doing, I don't know, uh, cabinets or something, right? I did own a cabinet shop before. But <laughs> um I could go to cabinets, and they'd follow me still. Right. It's like, oh, because you're doing cabinets the, now? Okay, well, yeah, hey, give me a bit on this, you know? Yeah, because of the quality of your character and what you do. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's the thing that's important that, you know, us as women-owned minority businesses need to understand that. I'm not going to, even me, I wouldn't hire a minority person or a woman, uh, you know, construction company if... They're bidding on a million-dollar job and only have themselves. Right, if they didn't have the, the 
wherewithal to actually get the work done. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, come on, you right. know, how do you right. expect me to do that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, our show isn't, uh, I mean, this show is about this, and that's fine, but our show isn't generally about this stuff, but I think that it's, it's one of those interesting parts of construction because it is there. It is a male-dominated world, mm. and I don't feel like, I don't feel like Merrick or I, like, I'm not worried if I get competitively outbid by someone else, but we're in the residential world, so that's always just someone wants to hire who they want to hire. Yeah. But the complaints that I hear generally have heard over the years are sort of what, what I take it to be is kind of um, if you're complaining that there's, a, that there's a process that allows women and minorities to bid in this same job, you're probably lazy in a certain way. And I, I don't want to piss everyone off, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just, be, just do your work well and don't worry about yeah. the other people who are doing it. Um, and just, you know, I, I think the industry itself benefits from that competition and from seeing that diversity in it. I, I really do. So. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. That's, you know, I mean, I, I think that, I think, how, how do you say it? It's like, it's like you said, the affirmative action thing, you know. Um, I always wonder about, you know, Creed sings, sings a song. It's called One, and it talks about affirmative action. And he says, have you heard of Creed? Yeah. Yeah. And he says, affirmative means take from one and give to another. And I, I get confused by that. You know what I mean? Because we use affirmative yeah, action, right. right? And it's like, well, how's that fair? Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. feel like that's the actual meaning of affirmative. Do, do you know? No. Do you know what I mean? Though it's like, because in a sense, that's that's what we're doing is is taking, and and I think that's how some people look at it, and they don't think it's fair. And I so I'm just saying I could see both sides. Yeah, of, fair enough. Of the playing field, you know, and and that's why I say it's important to be able to, to um, you know, do what you say you can do. In order to for us to succeed, in it doesn't matter what color you are because that person can succeed. Do you know what I'm saying? I well, it sounds to me like when you were a union drywall employee, mm -hmm. they were using you to check a box, and you were getting laid off regardless of whether you were good at your job or not. Yeah, they were treating you as a commodity, not as a, an employee, but as a box checking commodity. Yeah. And so you went out on your own into a competitive market, and now you've just got to compete with everyone else, just like we all do. I exactly. mean, we're out there competing, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. So. And I, I think I think you know, um, the, you know, the conservative argument is like, well, we want somebody that's the most qualified for the position that yep. they're going to get, and you see it in the corporate world where it's like, well, this worker is not bringing the same amount to the table, but. They have to be there because the government's saying that, or because they're being pressured into that, into that way. I'm not. I, I see. Not I see both sides as well, but I think that's the. No, like, I think. I th yeah, it's good to hear. I mean, it's good to hear that. That's you're right. Absolutely. I think. Well, and I think even like we don't like being told what to do either by the government, do <laughs> no, we? Like, not at all. you know. Right. So I I get it. I, it's a complicated one, and it's been around for a long time. It but, is complicated. But to get it so that a skilled, the more skilled worker can get in there, regardless of the rate. I mean, I think that's what the intention is, right? Yeah. Right. The, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, well, and, actually, the intention, the intention could likely be a political agenda from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, but but let's say let's let's just say that the intention is to allow people just the opportunity to be in the competitive market when they would mm -hmm. otherwise not be, then r without regard for what you are politically, there should be a solution to doing that. And I think that's basically what we're talking about is we've, we've crafted maybe not the perfect solution, of course, but a solution that at least allowed you to get your company out there and then you had to compete. Like, so. Right. It's, it's like um, the, the first thing they said was good faith effort okay that didn't work no so we had to throw that one out <laughs> now that sounds like a recipe for disaster because <laughs> i put my good faith effort into a right. few things that didn't work out I'm exactly sure. 
So now they're sending you something where you actually have to respond to them and say, yes, I will be bidding, and they have to give it to the city. Uh, that too. Mm -hmm. I get it. There's always battles with everything, you know, because yeah. people found the loopholes in good right. faith. Good faith I took that the other I took that to mean a different thing, but I see what you're saying. So they had to put a good faith effort into finding uh, bids, competitive bids from minorities. Yeah, initially, uh, yeah. Yeah, I get the RFPs a lot too, and I don't respond or I don't um, because that there's there's a they get a point I think for even a response. <laughs> yeah, there's one one guy that yeah I won't respond to because they actually sent me an email and said we have to do this. So can you please <laughs> fill this out? And don't tell me what to do. And I'm like, uh, you know, I don't like the way that you said that. <laughs> no, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to give you an answer. No, so back, Merrick, it's, it's so good to hear that, uh, you know, why aren't people, you know, what's, their, what's the conservative view on that, of not hiring a minority or women? And, um, and we, I, when I was in the union, I would look at what the guys were doing, and they'd be, and then they'd come by and say, "Hey, do you need a hand with that?" And I'd be like, in my head, I'm like, "No, I just saw you do it all by yourself. I'm going to do it all by myself. I don't need a hand. If a guy can do it, I can do it." And so I came with that perspective, and so I wanted, I knew that I had to be better, as as good or and better than the the guys doing it, so that I could prove myself. So mm -hmm. I, I'm really disappointed when when a woman or minority gives us a bad rap because. We do have to, we want to be as good, mm -hmm. and you should, everybody should be as good. So on that view, we, but we do need a door open to us. So mm -hmm. it, it, my response always is, we need a door open to us so you can show you how, that we can be as good, if not better. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so it, it seems like it would be that we are getting, you know, that the response would be, oh, you're just... You just, they just let you in. You can do whatever you want. But typically, <laughs> that's not true. No. We, we have to prove ourselves, too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really hard as a as a business owner and hiring people and you know like you, you know, there's been a bunch of times where I've you know gone out and I've you know taken a guy that I was just like, man, I can help this guy, <laughs> you know, I can help this guy, and he didn't want to work hard. And then there's been other instances where I'm like, I want to help this guy. And he's like, thank you so much for this opportunity, yeah. and he works he works circles around the. You know the white guys on the crew, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, it, but it's a challenging thing, you know, especially with you know, um, you know, um, you know the way that you know racism is talked about in our society more and more now, and people are starting to open their eyes up to it, and prejudice of all different kinds. Um, you know, it's a challenge. You're gonna like, to just be like, okay, here's a human being has this set of skills, they're good at this stuff, and they're not, and to like put all that other stuff aside. I mean, I feel like that's kind of the responsibility mm -hmm. of all of us to fight that. It is, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think when you were talking about, you know, the guys, the, like you coming in and wanting to do better than the guys in the crew or whatever, I think like if you put, if you put 10 people in, in a situation and say, okay, I need you to do drywall. It doesn't matter what, who they are. Um, you're going to find, you know, like the assumption that just because you're a white kid from the farm or something that you're going to work better and, and harder and do more than anyone else that comes in is just a false assumption. Right. You, you just have to give people the opportunity, open the door, and then just the same as if, uh, you know, if you're a girl working on that crew and you're not doing great, you're getting, you're getting canned. Sorry. You, yeah. you know, we just need people to do the work well. And I so. think, Merrick, you said, I've, I've canned those girls. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. Well, and you shouldn't feel bad no. any differently, really, than you do about canning the guy. Because, no. like, look. No. And, I but I gave them an opportunity. I opened yeah. the door for them. And if they didn't, couldn't do it, they couldn't do it. So, it's, you know, we're sitting on that same side of the fence as anybody else. Well, and how many kids have I hired over the years who haven't? been able to do the work that they said they would do and that's a good experience for them too I mean I hate it because you got to try and train this person and, and then you're paying them and you're like oh my god this is terrible <laughs> but but then you know they go out and they learn a lesson from losing their job too so, yeah. so 
So yeah. I had some questions for you just about, <laughs> maybe we'll shift this if, if sure. anyone minds. Well, um, well, let's do it. Um, if we're going to go for a big shift, we are uh, 28 minutes into this half. Do you want to do, do that after a little break? Uh, yeah, sure. Or do you, you want to get into something? I well, care. I mean, I was really just, I was just really wondering just about, um, you know, the Native American, like the... It seems like the res- do the reservations tend to use Native American workers that are from the reservations? It kind of seemed I bid on this job a while back that was um, was building a, I can't remember I think it was a community center or something on a reservation, and and it was like I was like, well, are you sure you want me to come in and bid on that? Like, is there anyone like in that community that can do that kind of work? And it seems like there's kind of this spoken or unspoken rule where the community gets the jobs first in the reservations or have you um run into that well they have what they call tarot on the reservations and if you look at the tarot guidelines it will state that if there is a band member that has a business there that they would get preference Mm -hmm. um, to work on that okay um, usually that's how it goes. But then again, there's, you know, we have an initiative called, especially in Minnesota here, uh, by Native. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if um, there's a job and you have Native contractors, they're going to try and work with you the best mm-hmm. to get that work done. Right. Yeah. But like you said, there's not a lot of Native contractors. So. <laughs> what, uh, yeah, yeah. What, what reservation are you from? I'm Tiwa Pueblo. My reservation's in Texas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my, uh, I've got a friend here in Minnesota, Bradley Harrington, who we've talked about some of this stuff, too. The, oh, okay, the tarot. And- yeah, just the, the way those contracts are awarded and kind of how the, mm-hmm. you know, it, it makes sense to me that you would prefer to hire someone in the community to do the work anyway. Yeah. But, but that's not always a possibility, so it's not like they don't, they don't work with white contractors. They do, but... They do, and, and, and a lot of times, even if that, say, native contractor is from there or whatever, if their bid is, like, I think you get 5%, you can be 5% overbid. It depends on the tribe. Um, but let's say, you know, maybe yours was higher or something, and you know what I mean? They're going to go, bottom line is, and they'll tell you this, <laughs> Low numbers, what they want. Yeah, know? it's just like anybody else, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. you know. So, but they do get certain certain places. You have to read the tarot guidelines. Though, can be five percent over. I, I've never seen it over that much. Right. But five percent is not that much. Mm-hmm. But you know. No. Um, so let's say you were at this amount, and they were with their five percent. They were just a little bit under than you. Then, then of course you wouldn't get the contract. You mm-hmm. know. But I, I had a, a one of the tribes that I worked with a lot here in Minnesota. Um, they told me, they said, you know, we like Indian preference, but really, it's low number is going to get it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and so I it's said, just that's, practical anyway. I said, hey, that's fair enough. Yeah. You know, I want to be competitive. You know, yeah. I don't expect to get something just because of of my skin color or who I am. I mean, you know, then mm-hmm. then what am I doing? There again, there's where I get into like is this fair you know (laughs) but that's just me you know (laughs) yeah but I think there's an assumption that there can be an assumption that that you wouldn't ever concern yourself with whether or not it's fair because you're on the receiving end of getting the benefit so then but I think to hear you say that yeah I think that's the reality is it's just about being treated fairly exactly that's exactly you got it that's exactly what i've been trying to say is that yes it's it's just about being treated fairly yeah you know and and let me show you you know yeah and so the other side of it is you you would be treated fairly merrick as an outside white contractor if they're looking for a bid and your bid comes in a little bit lower and and is competitive and and they think you're going to do the job then you get it you know so Mm -hmm. That's that's the way it should work. Mm-hmm. But all right, well, let's take a quick break and come back, and we'll I don't know maybe we'll 
talk about fun things. Not that this isn't fun, but <laughs> this is all we know. This is very, I know, I know right? <laughs> pretty deep. What do you deep. want from me? Pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not accusing. I'm just saying. All right, back in a moment. We will be back to the show after a few quick ads from our valued sponsors. The Joe Contractor Show doesn't let just any old company put an ad in the middle of a show this important. They have to pay us. Send us an email if you're certain your business should be featured on our show. Back after a few words. All right, we're back. We're back from our little break. Um, just like the last time I was listening to when I made the show, or when I was uh, doing the editing, uh, just so people know, yes, we're the same folks that left 30, 40 seconds ago in your in your podcast listening, and uh, so we've got Vivian with us. Uh, Vivian, what's her last name again? Gera. Gera. Mm-hmm. You say it better. Gera. Yeah, you say it better than I do. <laughs> yeah, That's why I didn't say it, because I didn't want to mess it up, and then I went and messed it up anyway. Oh, I'm terrible with names. Uh, well, lovely to have you here, and uh, we'll just continue chatting, I suppose. So I was on the break with Vivian, and I said, uh, did you grow up doing this? So my question she can answer now to all of you guys is, did you grow up doing construction? Uh, no, I was a lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> you were a lifeguard, not a... So you didn't like work with your father or any of the sort of traditional, like many of us construction folks have these memories of working with our our dad or our aunts or uncles or whoever are doing you know something so no nope. i was at the beach yeah. well good for you all the time i grew up in san diego california oh well then why wouldn't you be at the beach exactly yeah, why'd you move here <laughs> of all I get, places i got married oh yeah. yeah that i was only supposed to be here for two years yeah that was a lie <laughs> <laughs> Do you uh, do you love it? Do you like Minnesota? I do. I don't like the winter. No. But I I, I love Minnesota. I've uh, I pretty much call this home. You know, I know a lot of people, and my business has thrived here. And, you know. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, you've got beautiful beadwork there on your necklace. Oh, thank you. That's peyote stitch, too. That's not no lazy stitch. That's <laughs> that would take some work, does it? Yeah. Yeah. It yep. Looks like it. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you're not doing construction or gallivanting around the country? Well, one thing I do do when I'm gallivanting around the country is I... I uh, search for Indian mounds. And so I've seen a lot of the Indian mounds in different states, which is kind of cool. Very cool. So I'll go visit those. Um, and do you have, and, when you say you search for them, do you, you go to known sites then, mm-hmm. right? Known sites, like one, there's one in St. Louis. Uh, it's called Chahokia Mounds. And it's like the biggest ones. I mean, there's like over... 50 to 100 mounds there, and they're all protected. And the biggest mound is, well, it's, it's almost like a pyramid. Um, and you go up there and you can see the whole city of St. Louis. It's just really beautiful. Hmm. But the village, is just tribes that came from all over um, to have meetings and whatever, and it's pretty impressive. So that's a fun one. Um, so yeah, and, and I don't know. I like to golf, so I'll, I'll, a lot of times I'll bring my clubs. You know, see what kind of. Are you a good golfer? I'm. I don't think so. <laughs> I have fun. You know. <laughs> Is anyone a good golfer? Like it feels like golf gets you. You know, I golf too, and I not regularly recently, but all my youth I golfed. And you know what I find is funny is that I'll ask people, "Do you golf?" And right away, no, no. And I'm like, well, have you ever tried it? No. Well, how do you know you don't like it? And then they'll go golfing and find out that they really like it. You know? Oh, I love uh, being out on a golf course, especially in the evening on some nice nights. It's so fun. Just There's uh, the uh, Fort Snelling course here in 
I shouldn't have said it because it's so quiet. No one ever goes there and you can be out there by yourself. It's okay. We don't have anyone listening to our show right now anyway. <laughs> but what's that? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. I thought you, I thought you said something. Do you golf, uh, Mary? Yeah. Uh, no, but, but I have an interesting. So we were talking about golfing. We were trying to figure out why it's so popular. <laughs> and uh, my wife and I, and, and um, you know, we're, we're really into, um, you know, like ancient humans and the way that we used to be, because that's kind of the way our DNA still is, right? Like what we used to eat, the way we used to build community, all those kinds of things. And uh, they did some scientific research and, you know, I just heard this from another person, but. They did some research. So this may that, or may not be fact, right, is what you're right. saying. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't uh, you know, slam me too hard on the internet. Um, but that people's, they looked at images of different landscapes, and the ones that were, you know, um, low grass with intermittent trees was the most attractive because, you know, throughout history we've been tracking animals and ruminants especially like uh, bison and cows and things like that and that's kind of the same thing that they would do to the landscape they'd eat all the underbrush there'd be a few strong trees and a lot of grassland kind of like this though so then when you go out when you go out onto the golf course that's the most pleasing to the eye so I love the way we figure either figure things out or don't figure things out. Like maybe that's true, maybe it's right, not. Right. You know, like, but but it sure does sound like it makes sense. That's funny. Yeah, but so you're a golfer. You like? You know. I like to golf. I like to fish. Oh, God! You and I should hang out. <laughs> I mean, you like to tape. <laughs> I like to fish. Right. Tape. Also, we can tape one. Do you do tile work? I like tile. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm into these days. Yeah. Well, so golf, fishing, spreading mud, and doing tile, they're all meditative activities in a certain way. They, you can sit and be in the moment doing something where you don't, where you're, you don't have to be so laser focused on that that you can't let your brain meditate. So I guess I never looked at it like that. Good point. Yeah. That yeah. is a good point. What's wrong with I do us, like Mary? my alone time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not like, uh, so meditation, you know, is my understanding of meditation from our friend Jamie, um, is not so much like thinking about nothing, but just allowing your brain to have the space to do what it needs to do. And you can do that while you're fishing, and you can do that while you're mudding. I don't know. When I meditate, it's different. Yeah. yeah. I see things and stuff, and it's sometimes it's just uh, kind of scary sometimes. But <laughs> the weird stuff going on in there, Vivian. Is that <laughs> yep, weird stuff. Yeah. Well, I was curious about um, you know you mentioned going to different reservations and being involved in the Native American community. Is that um, is the Native American spiritual path a, a piece of that for you? And then how does that is that is that oh yeah and and then how does that play into your work or into your travels or um you know do you find that kind of where you're at you can find similarities in the different different tribes and um yeah they I mean you know here's the thing with native people is that when a native person comes up to you and says where are you from you guys are going to say, Minnesota, or wherever, right? Mm-hmm. We say our tribe. Right. Then they know that you're Native. Because if they think you're Native and you're not, most times they'll say... Minnesota. Minnesota, <laughs> you know? Right. And so that's kind of like a cue to say, oh, mm-hmm. you know, oh, okay. And then, then you get that. Then you start talking about whatever it is, you know. Like our spirituality is real... Uh, strong in all Native communities, you know, mm-hmm. the ones that uh, do connect with that, you know. Um, so, yeah, you know, and it's, it's uh, you know, it's just something that uh, we don't really talk about, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't talk about it here on this podcast, you right. know. <laughs> yeah, um, fair enough. I mean, but, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's uh, it's pretty strong and people know and, 
mm-hmm. you know, and you, you you can visit, you visit, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, can I ask a really potentially stupid question then? Because I'm I'm good at that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. And see now or gonna... later. I mean, you're yeah. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't I? Um, no, I mean, so we're all interested in capitalism. Your business is part of a capitalist system of some sort. You know, you're out competing, mm-hmm. doing work. Like that's. So where does that fit into any sort of the Native American, like, is capitalism an entirely Western thing that was brought over? Was there some sort of, I know there there were clearly people trading and and there was, you know, there was stuff going on. So the the best way that I can answer it for you is that uh, it's, it's about balance, right? So... Um, I have one foot in the Western world, and I have the other foot in my native cultural spirituality world. Okay. And so um, that's how I walk. And it is it um, because I think you know Merrick's pretty interested in the Native American culture, and I've gotten through friendships that have happened now later in life like I grew up here and I lived up in Bemidji and I'll tell you um, it was difficult to forge friendships with native folks when I was young Mm -hmm. there was you know still is a lot of distrust and I totally understand the dynamic and all of that but um, it didn't matter how much I tried to speak with people if if you know you don't want to talk to me then we're not going to talk you know that's the way it works so um, but that's changing so I think is it you know, I think it's sort of been pushed on Native Americans to be a part of the Western, to have one foot in each world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's rare for it's rare for us to be allowed to have one foot in the Native world. And I think that it's it's been an honor to have friends who've allowed me just that little step into that. Yeah. Um, where I get a, a better glimpse, and I think Merrick's been kind of embracing that as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's been happening to you, Lori, over your lifetime, too. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, that's true, because, that's true, like, the way I was taught, uh, I, I was uh, adopted into the Kota family uh, when I got up here, and so they, and these uh, medicine people, a uh, spiritual uh, person and a medicine man taught me um, the ways here, right? And so, um, one of the things that I have been told is that we share this way with everyone, all colors of mm-hmm. man. And the best way that he described it to me was look at the medicine wheel. The medicine wheel has always been these colors, red, white, black, and yellow. Those are all the colors of man. And so we're here to bring this message to all people, not just native people. And so. Um, I've had, you know, when I've had uh, houses that I've owned or whatever, I had sweat lodge in the back, and people come from all over, mm-hmm. you know, and they knew that they could come to that sweat, you know, and we teach them um, different things, you know. Um, there are certain ceremonies and stuff that we won't, you know, let just anybody in. Yeah, but, fair you enough. Know, um, but for the most part, yeah, you want to know anything, you know. It's uh, it's it's supposed to be open. And, uh, it yeah. just depends on who, what tribe and stuff too. Because some tribes are a little more closed in in their spirituality, which is fine, you know, because they have a whole different way of um, things that they do. Like up here, it's a plains Indian. My Pueblo nation is is a lot stringent on that, you know, with with what we've learned and stuff. So it's a whole different thing, you know. Sure. So, yeah. Oh, I've just, I've had the opportunity to some, um, be involved in a sweat lodge here. And it's a, it's a, it was a humbling, it's a humbling thing to be a white person to get invited to go and do that. Mm -hmm. But then, um, one of the cool things I heard to make, I think it was to make me feel more comfortable was that we were all tribal ancestry at some point. 
Mm-hmm. You go back far enough, and well, it's certainly true. You know, yeah. I mean, we are we are all part of the same family, and the sooner we, <clears throat> sooner we embrace that, the better off we'd be. But we're vi- clearly very slow, <laughs> very slow at adopting that philosophy. Right, it yeah, would be definitely s- what a better world. Didn't I mean? I saw a big shift, or at least in me, and and around, I thought around me um, when uh, after Standing Rock. And seeing that like on the news and seeing it in like real time, seeing, you know, the military and the corporations and the elders of the Native American community all coming to a head there. It was, I think that was a big shift. I was there twice. (laughs) Yeah. So I know that was pretty amazing. Um, Tell us about it. The way all the all the tribes got together to for that fight, you know, um, a lot a lot went on there, a lot, and then you had just all kinds of non-native people coming too and squatting and building things and and you know, um, I I had a vision there when I when I was there, I was walking. I have pictures of this, the road too. The road coming in had a bunch of flags. And the second time I went there, I was walking and I could see, it was like the natives were on this side, all the teepees and everything. And then on this side was more like the white people, right? RVs and. <laughs> and and so they were actually bringing in wood and building structures. Right. And I was like, I was walking thinking, how can they do this? This isn't even their land. It's not our land. We're, right. we're just putting up our teepees, you know, right. so we could leave at some point. Um, and all of a sudden, I just, I was gone for like, it seemed like a good minute or so, but I'm sure it was only a few seconds. But I felt like I, I was back in the day, and I saw Calvary over here and natives over here. Mm-hmm. And then I felt this sadness, because, but I, I was seeing through my eyes, but not my eyes. Well, you, I mean. Wow. I, you know, and I just felt this sadness, and I just, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, I was back, and I was like, wow. wow. You know, and it just, it hurt me, you know, and I, I think about it, and I just, I don't know, I almost want to cry, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I could feel that, you know, and. Uh, yeah, it was not good. Well, I mean, isn't I mean that's not to get too deep into the spiritual side of things or whatever, but that's maybe the memory of the land too. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is exactly the same dynamic that's been playing out now for generations. This is something that you know, yeah. I've talked to Brad about, but like just just honoring honoring the treaties that were made, honoring our relationships with each other. Like instead of this constant abuse and distrust and and you you know we've we've made these arrangements and then we break them and then we make them and then we you know it's i think it's up to the next generations to make agreements that honor the history and mm-hmm. then to to follow through and to be you know sincerely dedicated to the uh to a better future for the future generations for our future ancestors so yeah, and you know, Standing Rock, um, you know, they're putting that line right through the the reservation and the water and everything, mm-hmm. and it ended up breaking. It's not working right now, and they can't Jeez. drink the water. And now they're doing line three over in White Earth. That's what Winona LaDuke is fighting. Same thing. They want to put it right under their waterways. And if you know, all these lines are going through reservations. At first, Standing Rock was supposed to go through... Uh, is that what's over there? Uh, Bismarck? Yeah. It was supposed to go through Bismarck, but they said, hey, no, no, you're not putting that over here. So then they, oh, okay, we'll put it through the reservation here. Well, since we got on it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, no, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting because, because is that the larger issue is that, because my understanding is that piping oil across the country is a less environmentally impactful, less 
dangerous solution than putting it on train cars or on tanker trucks, right? And we all are in this position where whether you're white or native here in Minneapolis, you need your home heated. We all drive cars, we do construction. So we, on the one side, we have to take into account the fact that we are using this oil mm -hmm. to do the things that we're doing right now. And on the other, if, if more of the issue is about, I, like I wish we could find alternatives right now and just mm -hmm. stop with the oil, that'd be fantastic. Right. But in the absence of being able to do that, maybe the line is actually the most efficient at least environmentally impactful way, but is more of the issue that they take it and instead of putting it through the white lands, they put it through the native lands? Is that part no, of it too? No, there's no good in fracking. Come on, no. No, no, I know it's all terrible. It's I, all terrible. Well, in the tar sands and, and stuff, it's awful. Exactly. Right. And, and when it breaks, it ruins the earth and the water. How yeah. can you garden? How can you, how can you make food? How can you drink water? We need water, right? Yes. So. But we're going to, I mean, I guess my point would be, and I think this is sort of, you know, I don't know if, what the conservatives exactly think about this, but not to point to you like you're the <laughs> only conservative I've ever met. <laughs> but, but the truth is that we can't get away from oil right now if we continue to live. Well, there. you just said we could put it on trains or whatever, freights or whatever. Why can't we do that? Well, we, we can. Because it costs too much money. It's not just the money when there are problems with it, like when the trains, the, historically, there's more, uh, there's more accidents that happen with the trains and the trucks than, than with the pipelines. I'm not saying they're, I, I'm, I am not a fan of the pipelines. I'm not. Can't drink the water. <laughs> yeah, can't. And so we have to figure out how to, how to live in harmony with all of this. You know, I, I know that, but I. Hopefully things keep changing and, and we. <laughs> Every time we take a step forward, we seem to take another two steps back. But same thing with 94 being built out here. They went right through the, you know, the low-income neighborhoods when they put that road, that road in, and now they're backtracking and naming some roads after I know. some of these folks that lived there and had their homes destroyed. But they were supposed to go a different route, and it didn't. It went through the black neighborhoods. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, you could own your house, but if they want your land, they're going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I know. It's true. You know, we've been battling that all our lives. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. no different, you know, and um, yeah, I don't. Ah, it's all so big. It's so, so hard beyond. to figure well, out. Well, here, here's the thing is that, you know, I used to locate lines. It's, it, it really hurts me to, to know what's underneath this ground. Mm -hmm. There's telephone. There's cable, there's there's gas, there's electric, there's all kinds of fiber. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You can't go anywhere, anywhere without it. You know? It. Yeah. It's like. I don't know about you guys, but even when I see a whole boatload of concrete going into a driveway that didn't doesn't really need it, and they keep paving the whole yard. Right. And I'm like, no, she needs to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I know they make these, like, uh, you know, asphalt pavement uh, alternatives where you fill in things and then it can filter through and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I, f I feel like someday we'll, are we going to maybe make things better? I don't know. What's uh, wrong with just the earth? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> that look on your face. Too. Well, I, I think, you know, the for me, I look at the Native American communities and I'm like, they're still holding on to these, like, rich conservationalist type ideas like that's the kind of conservatism i grew up with like that aligns right mm -hmm. with that type of mentality like we have to you know we have a network of different species everything's together like we can't just like go and spray for all the mosquitoes or you're going to kill the frogs and then the egrets oh, are going to die you can't just put you know, poison whatever. all over things you know like it's <laughs> just so short-sighted the the way that you know the way that westerners have come into this and and all the way from the beginning i mean and um and it's it's starting people are starting to wake up like in high school or in grade school i learned that we had a nice dinner with the native americans and they brought their turkeys oh, and we oh, brought oh, don't give me <laughs> right oh, but God, now Eric. but now the actual the story that you're hearing in the school is actually more towards the truth you know talking about the 
atrocities that happened, you know, like maybe not as, maybe it's a lot worse than Yeah, like what the pilgrims the, were a-holes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got to start somewhere, <laughs> right? Uh, and um, yeah. Yeah, that's I, a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean though, Mary, because I, you know, I don't know, I grew up, I grew up, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Like when the teacher looked around the room and said, you know, like one of you little girls could be president of the United States and all of you can be whatever you want to be. I looked around at the whole group and was like, yeah, you guys. (laughs) 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 We're going to be okay. And then, you know, I really thought that we were, well, and then I had the, the good fortune of working in, uptown Minneapolis in the late 90s and stuff and it was just so diverse you couldn't be weird enough to be considered not a part of the community so we I got to know black folks and Native American folks and gay folks and you know like the whole gamut was there and no one thought anything of it everyone was you just treated each other well that was the way it was um and then come to you know find out that that's not really the way things work <laughs> right. You know, I, I will say a positive point is that in America might come, you know, to your food in, uh, that you, you talk about sometimes. When I was growing up, the pigs wandered around, the, cow, they, the cows wandered around. Then we all of a sudden started caging them and putting in smaller. I'm like, Dad, why are we doing that? Well, the people, that's what the people want. They want fat food. So, and, and mm-hmm. um, we didn't spray. We would go pick weeds. Mm-hmm. We ate out of the garden and we wouldn't have pop or or uh, canned foods because we had it we froze it we had corn and whatever came out for that time of year we didn't go get fruit that wasn't we would wait till summer to have fruit because then that's when it was good it didn't have any preservatives on it so but yeah. until we so I, but now i think that you know the the positive side is that there, there's a people went way to that direction but now that pendulum that in that small little area is starting to swing back. And if mm-hmm. we can start swinging more back, we even had a windmill and cistern, you know, so we d- were doing those things. And then, not, then we weren't. And then, you know, I think that's, I'm trying to be optimistic here <laughs> with you guys. So, but oh, I'm, I think I'm some a, of I'm it an is. Optimist. Let's be optimistic. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think there is some it, swing in some areas. And if, if we can keep doing more areas, mm-hmm. And you know, with the with the food now, and we're eating the fresher stuff. Again, that's you know not everybody, but um, if we can go back to some of that stuff, we did do it. You, I mean, we grew up with some of that stuff, and mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and hopefully we can do it. Keep doing that. Yeah, I mean, you know? eating eating fresher, high, higher quality food has become a privilege of kind of the rich in a certain way, right? Is, right? But that's like the easier food to make. Too, mm-hmm. it's the easier food to get your hands on if the mechanisms are there to have it, to have the fresh garden yeah. vegetables and yeah. whatnot. So, yeah, hopefully we're well. You know, it shows like this, right? This is we just fixed it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe there just the look. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. <clears throat> no, but but having conversations is important, and um, I I don't know. I yeah, sorry, we kind of got off of construction. <laughs> I no apology necessary whatsoever. This what, was a fantastic conversation. What kind of cordless tools do you prefer? Yeah, yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, who's your favorite cordless tool manufacturer? Hilti. Hilti. Oh, All right. Oh. By far, yeah. the big bucks. Oh yeah, I know. I know. Hilti, Festool. These are those are. I always forget to include those because oh, yeah. I'm like too cheap to buy the super nice ones. Even though I love really nice things, uh, yeah. but somehow or other, I always look at that as like just a bit too this much of a luxury. Much. I, yeah, I just worry that I, I'll take a take a little bite and then have to have the whole right. fast or the whole healthy line. Exactly. Up, right? I mean, I have to have everything of everything else anyway. Plus, every time I've bought something really nice, it gets stolen. Uh-huh. I always end up losing it somewhere because. I mean, because it walks off the site. Someone's like, oh, there it goes. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, thanks for bringing it back to construction, Merrick. <laughs> yeah. Good work. Good work. <laughs> Talk tools. 
Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and yeah, no, never apologize about talking about the stuff that we talked about here today. I think you know people will either hit the button and and move on to the next thing if they don't like it, or they'll listen through and hopefully they get something from it. So nice. Well, thank you very much for having me. I was a little excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great, yeah. great. Yeah, you've got that subdued way of showing excitement, though. I wasn't wasn't sure. You were... <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone. And, uh... Thanks, Vivian. Thank you so much for listening to another amazing episode of the most important show out there. Before we go, we want to thank you again for supporting us and for all the lovely things you say about us on social media. Shows like this grow with help from people like you. And remember, keep sending us your questions. We really appreciate the stories and the great insights we gain from our audience. We also want to remind you that you can buy shirts, hats, and more at joecontractorshow.com. Be good to each other, and we'll catch you on the next show.